This is Carla Pincott with the Centre for Independent Studies podcast, What You Need to Know About. Today we're joined by economist Jean Tunney to debunk six things about degrowth. Welcome, Jean. Hello, Carla. So economists have always outlined the benefits and the need for growth, but there's been an increasing call from some quarters for degrowth, a planned reduction in economic production and consumption. Degrowth fans say it's necessary for the environment, it'll increase equality and even improve our quality of life. But Jean's recent paper debunks the common degrowth myth. And the first of those, Jean, is that we need to degrow to stop climate change. Yes, I, I think this is uh, yeah, quite extraordinary. So what we've had, say, particularly in the last five to ten years is this increasing view that we're on this apocalyptic trajectory with climate change. And I mean, admittedly, there is a lot of concern out there among the public, but the idea that we need to rapidly shrink our economy, so not just impose, say, a a carbon price and then bring on more renewable energy, uh, decarbonise over the next 30 years or so. Uh, Instead, there's this view that we just need to shut down industry effectively and have a lower standard of living. And is, is this tied in with the view that capitalism's to blame for everything? Well, I think it is, yes, yes. And I think this is, uh, this is part of the, the story I tell in that paper, that this, this is similar to what we had in the 1970s with the Club of Rome view, the limits to growth analysis, which argue that we're on this unsustainable trajectory. And I think you have to really be catastrophizing to, to think that. I mean, certainly there are things that the, the capital, capitalism, industrial, uh, the industrial society has had adverse impacts on the environment. There's no doubt about that, but we're trying our best to manage them just as we're trying to mitigate climate change and also to adapt to climate change. One of the powerful points that Oliver Hartwich made on his podcast for NZ Initiative, which I was on recently talking about degrowth, is that, I mean, the, the problem with this degrowth program is that you're actually robbing yourself of the ability to then adapt. If you're poorer, you're going to be less able to adapt to climate change that occurs. Yeah. yeah. And, and of course, closely allied with the climate change myth is the claim that we need to degrow to stop resource depletion and environmental degradation and biodiversity loss. Yeah. And I think, again, this is where Wealthier economies are better placed to deal with these issues. And if you look at Australia, what we're doing in Australia, I mean, we've got very stringent environmental regulations now. It's it's mm-hmm. very difficult to develop any sort of projects, agriculture, mining, and you know, possibly it's it's too stringent. Uh, so we're doing our best. Where we see the real problems, and partly it's to do with lawlessness. We see the problems in the in Brazil and the Amazonian mm-hmm. rainforest. And yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, illegal uh, deforestation occurring to, for cattle ranching. So um, I think, again, uh, having a, a bigger economy or or at least not shrinking your economy and not making yourselves poorer, be having a the, the larger economy, that's better for dealing with these environmental challenges over time. Right. And that yeah. would bring innovation as well to yeah. deal with them. Yeah. And one of the other points I'd make is when you opened up, you, you talk about economists talking about the benefits of growth. Yeah, that, that's correct. And I mean, if you see this strong relationship between uh, GDP per capita and 
uh, life expectancy and other indicators of well-being up to a point. I mean, it does start to, to plateau out, I mean, beyond a certain level. I mean, you can get wealthier and the, you don't, the, there are diminishing returns. There's no doubt about that. Um, so economists are generally positive about growth, but we're not naive about it. We do recognise there are uh, costs to uh, to economic activity that uh, would need to be accounted for as, as best we can. So we're not completely naive about that and saying, yes, we need to maximise the rate of economic growth. I think that would be wrong. The right way to look about it is, uh, look at it is that growth is an outcome of the, you know, individuals, businesses operating in a free economy, operating in free markets. We think that's what leads to the best outcomes over time. And becoming prosperous, prosperous yes. in that free yeah. economy. And, and this is one of the, the other problems with it. There, if we did adopt that, we're, we're basically consigning large parts of humanity. There's still hundreds or billions of people still living in on low incomes worldwide. One of the great achievements, particularly since uh, Deng Xiaoping in China in uh, late 70s, early 80s, when they started to liberalise from socialism, uh, India, when it got rid of the licence rise or started to get rid of it in the, the 90s, we've had huge growth and in, in those countries and you know, over a billion people out of extreme poverty. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge achievement. It's, it's because we've embraced free markets. Yes, and I mean, that's part of probably debunking another claim from the degrowth movement, uh, one that I think many people will probably disagree with, is that we're all rich enough already. Yeah, and that's right. So that there's this view that, okay, that the problem is that we're so wealthy here in the West and uh, we're, we're rich enough already. Now, that's not going to really be that appealing an argument to Many people in Australia, for example, we've currently got a housing shortage, yes. but we need more housing. So it'd be hard to tell people in Australia that, well, everyone in Australia, that you're rich enough already and you should sacrifice uh, GDP per capita. The other problem with that argument is there's just no real way that, uh, I mean, the, the degrowth people seem to envisage a world where you can share all of the the income and wealth across the world. But I mean, how, do, how on earth does that occur? Uh, without destroying incentive, and it's still not going to be enough. I mean, there's just not enough uh, income and wealth in the Western world even to share and bring everyone up to the, you know, our living standards. There's just no way that's going to happen, and there's no practical way it, it could occur anyway. I've seen some um, data that suggests that it would reduce everybody to an annual income of about $17,000 a year. But also, I mean, how do you share something with plutocratic and, and kleptocratic uh, countries as well, you know, yeah, they're, yeah, they're exactly. not they're not going to, to fall in line for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's similar. It's sort of that type of magnitude. I don't know the exact figure, but if I may have it in the paper, but if you look at what GDP per capita is worldwide, yes, it's much lower than in advanced economies. So, mm -hmm. yep, yeah, you'd you'd basically be bringing all the people in the the uh, advanced economies. I mean, not just the the Western world, but uh, you know, places in the Middle East with high incomes, UAE or uh, so, you know, some parts of Saudi Arabia and uh, and other, and, and in Asia. I mean, there's lots of um, prosperous people in China now. You'd be bringing all them down to a much lower level of income. And as you said, condemning those who are in a low level of income to stay there, mm, to not be exactly. able to succeed. Yeah. So that brings us to the fourth degrowth myth that you debunk, uh, the claim that it would reduce inequality. Well, yes. I mean, this is part of the... 
this concern about capitalism and that, that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And I mean, that's not necessarily the case. It depends on the measure of inequality too. So there are various different measures of inequality and what they will point to is the growing number of billionaires. So if you look mm -hmm. at the top end, particularly in the US, you do see uh, a higher share of income and wealth accruing to the people right at the top end, top 1% or 0.1% or whatever you, you want to call it. And so there are there is this concern about inequality in that sense. But if you look at it, on more traditional measures that economists look at worldwide, we're improving in that regard because we've brought all of these people up from absolute subsistence level, right? Yeah. <laughs> all these people are living in agrarian uh, societies in China and India, and they move to the cities and have much higher standards of living. So I think, yeah, degrowth would be, would be wrong. Uh, ultimately, I think, even though, yeah, there are some there is some real growth at the top end. I mean, and that's partly driven by technology, right? We've had lots of technological change with the Silicon Valley and all that. Um, so it's partly understandable, the internet, which is which means people can leverage their skills and abilities over a bigger, yes. a bigger market. Uh, but yeah, I think degrowth is really the wrong way to, to go about it. And yeah, I, I, think, I don't think there's any reason to, to think that degrowth is a solution to that and again it could it's just it's just bringing everyone down to the same level of misery i mean that i guess maybe that yeah that's not really a good way to solve inequality is it no and it, it does sound like and the fifth of those myths it does sound like it would actually cause what they warn against because they say that we need to degrow to avoid economic and social collapse but from the sound of it degrowth would actually introduce that economic and social collapse. Well, I think they're implying that. That's correct. And I mean, basically, yes, we'd have to accept a much lower standard of living because they they think that we're breaching all of these planetary constraints that we're... And if you look at that limits to growth analysis, the meadows and forester analysis, they've got these simulation, simulation results whereby we're going to hit peak levels of industrial output and population in the next several decades or so, and then we're yeah. going to start declining after that. And so these people, are, they're, they're, you know, I mean, they they look at the data and they they seriously think that's going to occur. And I mean, I'm, I'm very skeptical of that. And I think we probably should be given that, uh, I mean, both you and I have, have heard a lot of this stuff for, for decades, I mean, about the coming apocalypse. And, and so far, I mean, humans have been able to, uh, to avoid it. We've had technological progress. We haven't hit those constraints. Uh, markets operate. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the reasons we're not going to run out of resources is because as things become scarcer, the price increases and that yeah. encourages more exploration and encourages greater conservation. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm very sceptical of this whole degrowth thing. And effectively what, they, what they're implying, for, to bring about the degrowth, you'd need to have some sort of really authoritarian government and we know then people aren't going to put up with that i mean we saw just the limits of authoritarianism during the covid period i mean governments imposed restrictions for various because they were worried about public health but there was a limit to what they could do yeah. before people really started pushing yeah. back there was a limit to what people would put up with yes exactly and that would be one of the downsides if we did degrow uh, what is the fallout so just just imagine the world decides tomorrow that, yes, we're going to have degrowth, we're going to degrow. 
what's the fallout? Paint a picture for me in a nutshell of, of the downsides that would happen apart from authoritarianism. The downsides yep. of degrowth. Yes. Uh, a bit, well, lower standard of living, uh, lower levels of employment, higher unemployment. I mean, one of the reasons we uh, degrowth would be a stupid policy in Australia, for example, is we've still got a growing population, right? So if you're degrowing, how are you going to keep all of these people employed? It just doesn't make sense. So we know that employment is is good for, I mean, people need it to generate incomes. Uh, it, it's good for their uh, self-esteem, good for their morale, good for family well-being. So yeah, I think it would be a, a really terrible uh, situation. It's it's hard. I'm trying to think about the simulation. And you, you would have less ability, the, the government would have less ability to provide goods and services. I mean, so they couldn't rely, care, on, couldn't, couldn't rely on yeah. welfare either. So no, yeah. no jobs, no welfare. No, it, it does sound like, you know, a desolate, um, dystopian future. Well, yes, I, I guess in there, I guess to, to steal me in their argument, there is this belief in, uh, what do they call it? Fully luxury autom automated communism or something. Or So there's... I think that's what they call it, isn't it? There was, a, there was this view that we should just uh, accept the fruits of technological progress and, yeah, we don't need to work as hard and, yeah, we can meet our, the basic thing, standard of living, the, the, we can subsist without having this rat race society. So I think there's that type of, that type of view. I don't think it's very realistic. No. Though. Well, we could all go back and live in caves. And, and unwind human civilization for the past, you know, however many millennia yeah. and, and do nothing. But it would be subsistence, surely. Yeah. And one of the interesting thinkers on degrowth I've found, he's actually, it's a Japanese uh, uh, philosopher and I've cited him in the paper. He actually calls it degrowth communism. He's honest about what this is all about. And, and in terms of inequality, I mean, what we'd end up seeing is that, I mean, what you'd probably have all of these rules being imposed and degrowth and lower living standards being imposed on the bulk of the population, but the people at the top would somehow find a way to, <laughs> <laughs> well, to still have their own stores and yeah, we've, go off. <laughs> we've seen that in all the communist countries, yes. haven't we? Jean, thank you very much. It's a very dire picture uh, if the degrowth proponents do win out. I mean, and for the reasons we were talking about, I just can't see them winning out. I just don't think there's any political appeal to their to their argument. I'm, I'm hopeful in, in that regard. I hope you're right. Thanks again. Cheers, Carla. We'll be back soon explaining what you need to know about the key developments in Australia.